Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the staple show of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Topps Friendly Markets. Right now, Topps is in the red zone with football, food ball, play offers. Score big on flavor and savings. Enhance your playoff weekend by creating recipes inspired by the distinct flavors of the play- playoff team's cities. Uh, Topps' expert butchers have curated their recommended game day recipes over at topsmarkets.com slash foodball. From touchdown-worthy appetizers to hearty main dishes, discover a winning lineup of recipes that brings taste from around the country to your table. All right, Ryan, we got a lot to get into here today. And as you noticed from the headline, we're going to start with some reasons to maybe be concerned if you're a Bills fan headed into that game. We're going to run through those. Uh, We're going to take some shout insider questions. Um, But before we get to all of that, I extended an invitation to former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Cole Beasley to come on to the shout podcast. He was was talking about wanting to get into the podcast game. And so I said, what better way to dip your toe in the water than to come on a shout and preview Bills Chiefs with us. So we'll see if he takes us up on the offer. Uh, I feel like the worst he can do is say no, right? Yeah, I was about to just be like, hey, and welcome Cole Beasley and, you know, mess with him a little bit, but he's not here tonight. But hopefully, hopefully (laughs) we can get Cole on the the show here in the near future, get him uh, some advice on the podcasting game, get him into that. I think that would be uh, really good for him. He is... Uh, you know, he, he has a lot of takes, and I'm sure that he would take off pretty well as a podcaster. Uh, my wife says she hates the tan zip-up nights, the Columbia Ooh. here. Here's the thing. Um, I've been plowing my driveway all day. That, that was my most of my morning. Then I had to kind of scramble to get down to Orchard Park. Usually takes me about 20 minutes, 40 minutes there, 50 minutes home. Okay, it's been a rugged kind of day, Ryan. So this is the best you're getting. The hair has not been done. All right, we're zipped up with the with, with the Columbia. What do you what do you want from me? So that is not a Caitlin Perino purchased coat, then, huh? 
actually she did pick this out but she said it's it's been too it's been used too much so it, oh, it, okay. it's noted it. like it's an easy throw on right like i don't have to put any work into it but you know what we're just we're just grinding through here we're at the end of uh we're at the end of the season um hopefully not for the bills fans hopefully like four or five more weeks for you guys um but anyway another note before we get into the topics of the night uh this Saturday night, Ryan, we had to cancel Shout Live last Saturday because of the weather. We are running it back Saturday night, 1402 Millersport Highway. We will be live with our final preview episode of Shout from Wingnuts um, in Amherst, across from the Marriott, uh, over by the University of Buffalo. Come hang out. It is going to be such a fun time you're coming in. Uh, AJ Sabalski, former intern, now doing big things over at the Batavia Daily News. He is going to be in the house. And we can get uh, his new boss, Alex Brasky, to show up too. have ourselves a little party. That's right. That'd be great, Matt. And looking forward to this weekend. Uh, looks like you guys are getting hammered by the snow once again, though. So, you know, hope, I think by Saturday all will be well. So Bill's Mafia, come on out and join us. And I saw in the comments here, uh, this headline of this video is not the way I want to start my my playoff week because it's kind of a downer. Listen, <laughs> it's not all bad news. It's just some of the things that I think – are setting up to be concerns heading into Sunday. But there are th some things I'm excited about, too, in terms of this matchup. We'll get to those as well later in the show. But I want to start off with my number one reason for concern going into this game, and that is the status of Terrell Bernard. And it's kind of like a glass half full, um, half empty kind of situation because we heard from Sean McDermott today. He talked about Terrell Bernard and the fact that they kind of – dodged a bullet here. They're in a much better spot with Bernard than I think everybody thought they'd be when he had to have an air cast on there and he was uh, carted off the field Sunday against or Monday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. There, there's It's hopeful, Sean McDermott said. Now, I don't know what that means for Sunday. I would be surprised if you go from getting carted off the field to six days later playing a divisional playoff game. But at least if the Bills are able to survive and advance, I think that Terrell Bernard's um, outlook – moving past this weekend is a lot brighter, but I'm still hesitant to say that there's a chance for him to play knowing what he just suffered. And that's why I'm concerned because if he's not in there and we'll talk about what it's going to look like, if he's not, it's just a concern for me. It's a big concern. I mean, listen, there's a laundry list of injuries we can talk about, but Bernard has been, uh, Arguably the MVP of this defense this season. I think you could actually give him that award, despite Ed Oliver being a game wrecker for this team, uh, despite what we've seen from Taron Johnson. You know, Terrell Bernard came into this season with few expectations, and he gets the starting job after missing time in training camp in the preseason. He comes in and he doesn't miss a beat, and he sacks the quarterback. He gets interceptions. He forces fumbles or he covers fumbles. He's all, always around the football making plays for this defense. And if he is out and you've already lost Matt Milano earlier this year, I guarantee you that Patrick Mahomes is going to be targeting the linebackers on this team. And, you know, no offense to Tyrell Dotson if he plays, no offense to Balen Specter if he can go, A.J. Klein who stepped up in a big-time way against Pittsburgh. It's a completely different beast going against Patrick Mahomes than it was going against Mason Rudolph in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. AJ Klein was so impressive the other game to me because it wasn't just that he came in for Bernard before that he had to play for Spectre. And I feel like there's gotta be a lot of things flying around that we already, 
talked about like what his week was like, but to have to be able to play both positions to me, that's just such a challenge that I wonder what it looks like this Sunday or this Sunday. Do they put him at middle linebacker? Do they, do they want maybe Tyrell Dotson to play in that role? Um, they, they've had him kind of move around when Bernard has gone out of the game this season, even as well. Um, how much do they want to use Dorian, Dorian Williams? They lose, yeah, they use more four, three looks than they have in the past this last weekend. So there's a lot that kind of goes into this without Bernard. Listen, it's, it's going to be a drop off in production. The guy has been so good, even in this game on, um, Monday, you see him with the, 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 the pass, uh, batted down at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he just does a little bit of everything. He finds ways to leave a fingerprint on every game that he plays in. Is it all perfect? No. I mean, there's a lot of parts about his game. I mean, you sometimes see him out of position. You sometimes see him not like fit a run gap. You maybe see him a little bit out of place, you know, in coverage at times, but he competes, he makes splash plays. And that's one of the things that they'll be missing if he's not in the lineup. Yeah. Knows for the football. I believe he's the one that recovered the George Pickens fumble early in the game too. That was, you know, overturned and and ruled a fumble for the bills uh, after being called down on the field. So, He's always around. And Dorian Williams, to his credit, who I did not mention listing off the linebackers, he showed some pretty good instincts in that game. Uh, quick pass that was sent out. He was right there to hit the player, tackle him immediately for a tackle for loss. He showed some flashes, which is encouraging because we, we've we seen. You know, you saw in Terrell Bernard last year. You could barely get on the field, and when he did, he looked out of place. Dorian Williams didn't look out of place in this last matchup against Pittsburgh, so even he could come in and contribute, but it's definitely concerning now that you're you're without your top two linebackers potentially. Yes, indeed. And before we get to reason number two, I'd like to you know briefly give some good news here. Like, let's take a break from the the doom and gloom and talk about uh, a piece of news that I think is huge for this week, and that is Rasul Douglas uh, being uh, limited in practice today. He told uh, Thad Brown, uh, one of my teammates over on Buffalo Kickoff Live, that he is full go, like ready to go. No, no hampering uh, of the knee injury, like no limitations, even though he was limited in the walkthrough today. Uh, We'll see his designation designation tomorrow, but he is going to play on Sunday. And that is massive from my perspective, because now it gives you options with what you want to do. And I, I tell something out to our insiders about an hour ago that, you know, I just threw it through uh, the wash, if you will, to see if it came out and got off, got off all the stains. Cause sometimes I have some crappy tweets or or text (laughs) takes. Okay. I mean, it happens. Um, but this one I've been thinking about a little bit. I, I, I went and I, I put out the uh, grades uh, f- uh, from PFF. I sent it out to all of our insiders. And the Kyrie Elam grade across the board really stood out to me. And tackling, um, he got dinged, uh, not only by Pat Fryermuth, but the PFF graders themselves, giving him 47.2 in tackling. But look at the coverage grade. Um, 71.5. was Christian Benford before he left the game. 82-grade run defense, Ryan. That's supposed to be the weakness in Kyrie Elam's game. An overall 76.2-plus grade for Kyrie Elam. What if they were potentially to sit Dane down and start Kyrie Elam opposite of Rasul Douglas in a game against an offense in the Kansas City Chiefs where I feel like speed is at a premium? Listen, I know it's not all perfect. He can get penalized, which would be killer in this kind of game. He sometimes is out of position, uh, still kind of working himself back in the game shape. Um, and I'm a fan of Dane Jackson. They go with him. I have no problems with it. But I don't know, just thinking outside of the box, 
I thought he played pretty well against Kansas City even last season in the regular season when he had that interception in the red zone. I'm going to say put that idea back in the box, Mr. Perino. I'm going to put that in okay. the, the bad right. take idea. Right. It's not honestly a bad take, but there's not enough for me to sit here and say, based on one game, one PFF score, that this is the guy that should be starting opposite Russell Douglas in the in this matchup against the Chiefs. And I know he had an interception in the regular season against KC. Uh, I know he had an interception last year in the playoffs against Miami. And this year against Pittsburgh, he does seem to have uh, a knack for making plays in the moment, but you mentioned it. It's the penalties. He is still extremely handsy. Uh, and, and when that happens, especially with this crew who we'll be talking about here in a little bit, uh, I could see him getting flagged quite a bit and nothing makes Sean McDermott more furious than giving teams free yards, uh, free set of downs until I see an extended play from him where that doesn't happen. I can't trust him in such a role. Now, some reserve snaps, absolutely. I like the athleticism. I like what he can do with his speed. If you want to play a few matchups against man here and there and sprinkle that in and get him out there, by all means, do so. But there's not enough that I've seen from him that warrants him starting over Dane Jackson. And I know Dane Jackson, uh, he does a lot of things well. He doesn't do anything extremely well necessarily. I think he is a solid tackler. But the Bills trust him, and that's huge in, in the Sean McDermott world. They know that he's not going to generally get beat or give up the big play. He's going to keep things in front of him. Uh, he he worked his way up from being a late-round pick to starting at times in his career and now being that top reserve. So uh, I, I'm all for outside-the-box ideas. I just don't know if I trust Kyrie Elam in a spot like that. That's fair. Uh, I think everything that you kind of laid out there is – Right on the money. And, and like I said, it would be a little bit of an outside-the-box idea. Another one that I kind of had was, you know, Cam Lewis has struggled, uh, looked like he struggled uh, in for Taron Johnson. And Johnson is in the concussion protocol. He was limited today. I will so say, um, I don't know if you saw it, there's some video uh, going around on social media of some of the hits that Taron Johnson has taken in, the, in in these games the last couple of weeks. I mean, it wasn't just this last week when he left with a head injury. It was, you know, I think it was the Miami game where he he took a shot as well. Um, and it's that time of the year. I mean, these guys are getting kind of roughed up on the uh, every week. Um, you know, nobody's 100% healthy. But if Taron Johnson can't go, you know, I think Cam Lewis in maybe that third safety role is a little bit – better for him at this stage of his career. Maybe you think about going with Saran Neal, who again, penalties have been an issue for him every time he's gotten a chance to play in the slot, but against Travis Kelsey, he's always been physical. We know Sean McDermott likes to use him in this spot, no matter what, like I think even if Taron Johnson's healthy, we'll see a little bit of Saran Neal mixed up, mixed in because of his ability to match up against Travis Kelsey, who could also talk about, you know, what our expectations are of him in this game. And we'll save that for Friday. But, but what do you think about the idea of maybe Neil over Lewis, who has kind of struggled a little bit? I'm not against that idea um, as, as much as I was the Kyrie Elam idea. And you mentioned it. He's already gone against Travis Kelsey in his career in a regular season matchup and held his own. And he kind of limited Kelsey and frustrated Kelsey in that regard. But the Bills coaching staff does not seem to get him out there on a, a regular basis on defense. I know he's a core special teamer, probably their best special teams player, arguably. Um, but this coaching staff also kind of limits his reps on defense. So for they like Cam Lewis. They like his versatility. I know he had a rough go of it in this game, moving from 
playing a little bit of safety, playing nickel cornerback. Uh, maybe a whole week of practice at one spot would benefit Cam Lewis. But if Taron Johnson can't go, I just don't know if you have a solid option either way. So not as opposed to that idea, Matt. All right, let's go to reason number two for some concern. And the Bills had to shake up the roster over the last day here, uh, releasing Leonard Fournette. We'll get into that in a second, give our thoughts on that. Uh, from the practice squad to make room for a former punter, but not the former punter that I think a lot of Bills fans were hoping for. Uh, we can get into that that conversation as well. They bring back Matt Hawk, who the Bills cut uh, going into the 2022 season um, after signing him to a three-year deal the year before. He wasn't great in that one season. And to be honest with you, he hasn't. He struggled to find work this year. I mean, he got a, a last kind of crack at an opportunity in Cleveland he played in a game uh, down the stretch there for an injured punter, uh, punting in that game, and then they released him as well. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people wanted uh, the Bills to go after Matt Ariza, and you know, I actually reached out to his representatives. I haven't heard anything back uh, to kind of get an idea. Is, did the Bills reach out? Did, has any teams have any teams been reaching out? Um, haven't heard anything back yet, but I do think it's interesting that Sean McDermott said that there were other considerations and then they ended up going with Matt Hawk uh in the end because of the familiarity he's held for Tyler Bass before he's played in these conditions he's kicked in these conditions here's where my big concern is though he hasn't held for Tyler Bass in over two years so now you have to get back to a place of continuity with a guy who's coming off of one of his worst games of the season kicking field goals I mean that's a huge concern for me Big time concern, and, and you mentioned it with Hawk. He has not been a solid punter the last few years. He had some uh, moments shortly after being released by the Bills. I'm trying to remember where he played. It was I want to say he played inside of a dome, or maybe it was a performance on the road where he played in a dome and he was kicking. Oh, the Colts. He played for the Colts for a little bit and kicked while there for a period of time. In Cleveland, though, you mentioned it. He was replacing uh, former Bills punter Corey Bohorquez because of an injury, and he came in, and it was a very short Legends. stint. Legends of the Bills. So now you have him coming back here. And as you said, I mean, his punts were up and down and mostly down. Uh, a lot of a lot of kicks that didn't get enough hang time. A lot of kicks that didn't get the distance that you would want. So from that perspective, field position, uh, you know, trying to back up the Chiefs, that would be a significant loss if Sam Martin cannot go, who has been punting great the last few weeks. And then the holding part of it, like you said, yes, he's held before for, for Tyler Bass. It's been a few years, though. Uh, I, I guess my only counter to that would be there's nowhere to go but up for Tyler Bass right now after trying to kick the 49-yarder. And, and I blame the Bills for that one more than anything. I, I get it's in his range, but the conditions that day, knowing you'd have to kick it low, knowing that the Steelers uh, would have a good shot of blocking that. I was not a fan of that one. But the 25-yarder, there's no excuse for how he just kind of pulled that one to the left. Uh, he's not kicking with a lot of confidence right now. We talked about the previous two years kicking or making kicks at an 87% clip. And this year, going into last week, it was at 82%, which was up from the 78% that he had it at. Uh, so there's concerns there. I would hope that uh, Hack or Hawk, excuse me, could definitely get that uh, you know chemistry or get that back with Tyler Bass pretty quickly. Some conscious coming out there, calling him hack. Um, <laughs> dare you? Yes. How dare you, Ryan? Yeah. Um, no, I mean he 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 didn't. He wasn't great. Um, 
the, the one season that he did kick for the Bills, uh, one of our YouTube insiders, Johnny Mack, Bass has been awful. It hasn't been a good – it hasn't been a good season for Bass overall. I'm not going to say it's been a bad season. It's just not been a season – Yes, underwhelming, not a season after you give a guy a contract extension uh, like they did a, a kicker, especially um, where where you just want to, you know, you want more from him. <clears throat> I, I, again, I don't know if I'd go as far as awful, but hey, you know, throw out those takes. Uh, we're here for it. The thing with Hawk being so bad when he did kick for the Bills, the reason he stuck around for that whole season um, was he was such a good holder. So mm-hmm. maybe the lapse of time, it, it won't be as big of an issue and they'll be able to kind of pick up where they left off. If he needs to play Sam Martin didn't practice today. We'll see how the rest of the week goes. Maybe they get to Sunday and Martin's hamstrings good and he's ready to go. And they just, they just go. And they, the problem too, is the cold hamstring injuries, yeah. sub freezing temperatures. That's really tough. Um, but you know, he was so bad that the bills, a uh, hawk that is um, they drafted Matt Ariza and then he beat him out uh, for the job. And, the only reason they kept Hawk around um, after they drafted Ariza was because he had to answer the rookie had to answer the holding question. And after he did, mm-hmm. that's when they cut him. So Hawk was such a good holder at the time that it, it, he, it negated how bad of a punter he was. So I don't know if that's like a, a ringing <laughs> endorsement for the guy, but that's where we're at here heading into Sunday. Yeah, definitely not a ringing endorsement, but we'll wait and see. Hope for the best when it comes to Sam Mark. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. And Johnny Mac also says will probably affect fourth down play calling. I definitely think that it, it could. Um, and I think this is a game where, you know, no matter what, Sean McDermott has to be aggressive. Like, whether it's calling the defense, like how he's sending blitzers and, um, you know, he's got to obviously be smart about it. I mean, you blitz Patrick Mahomes in the wrong spot and you're going to pay for it. But I think an aggressive mindset on defense, an aggressive mindset with the ball, like especially around the 50, like I don't think they should be pun- – I think fourth and five or less, like in that kind of plus area there, that area where a lot of analytics show you should go for it, do it. Be aggressive. They've been that way. Uh, I'm looking for them to, to do that on Sunday. Uh, I want you to take us into our third one because you came up with it. Yeah. Right before I get to the third one, there's a good question here. I want to address Matt uh, okay. from spin. Why did they cut Fournette over the random quarterback on the practice squad? It has to do with the, the veteran aspect of the practice squad. You can only have six players uh, that have accrued more than three seasons in this league. And when you, you look at the, who they had, they had Fournette at seven years, they had Jermaine Effetti at eight years, 
Andy Isabella at five years, AJ Klein at 11 years, uh, and Greg Mance at eight years. So those were the, uh, some of them that you had, I think I'm missing. Oh, I'm missing someone too. Who is the other one? Sorry. Antonio Brown. Oh no, he's three. <laughs> um, the picture just kind of Josh Norman. Thank you. Josh Norman. Uh, Josh Norman being the sixth. So they had to go through those options and we know the bills value O lineman. Uh, we know some of these other guys, a Fetty is, is just kind of a depth guy. If there was something at tackle. So, I think it comes down to the fact where the Bills weighed all the positions, and they probably said, well, we really like, obviously, James Cook. We really like Ty Johnson, and we're probably splitting hairs if we're talking Latavius Murray and Leonard Fournette right now. And I know Murray has not looked good. Uh, he's looking slow out there, but he's still very good in terms of being a pass blocker. But he's the third option by far right now. And, and are you getting that much more? by adding Fournette as your third option or keep him on the practice squad and elevating him. And, and that's the other thing too, with all these injuries, there's probably no path for an elevation either. Right. And at the end of the day, Fournette, there's just not enough room to get him onto the act. They're not going to cut Latavius Murray. And right. while I'm arguing in the text everywhere else, like that, they, that Ty Johnson should be on the field, even in those third down situations, Ryan, like, I know PFF grade isn't everything, but like, listen, there's not a huge drop off in the production that you're getting in pass block in pass protection from Murray to Johnson. So if that's the case, Johnson's a more, he's just more of a weapon. So I, I, I would just use him uh, more so. And to be honest with you, if we're being honest and I know that he's playoff Lenny and he was getting wrapped up, ramped up, and th there's a lot of fun to be had there. He didn't look like the same player. Like he looked no. a little bit slow, hesitant. Listen, when you don't play football and you don't have all those valuable reps and ramped up and your timing and your, your vision as a running back, like he just didn't look like the same player. And there's a lot of times where he was hesitant, where he was kind of like chop, chop stepped. And uh, I think this, they saw that and you move in a different direction. And I think Ty Johnson is your um, uh, number two at yeah. this point. Absolutely. Now, now to our third point, uh, Sean Hockley and his crew coming into Buffalo. The last time the Bills had Hockley's crew was the Philadelphia Eagles game that went to overtime. And there are a lot of missed calls by Hockley's crew. Uh, obviously, uh, the biggest one being the horse collar, one of the biggest ones there. And it got so bad that there were national media members that were actually saying, you know, what do, what beef does Sean Hockley's crew have against the Bills? I wrote a whole story on it. Uh, around halftime of that game. So it was, you know, it was not a good game in terms of the officiating when it came to the Bills side in that matchup. Uh, the Chiefs are eight and two when Sean Hockley is calling their games. And, you know, again, this is not a be all end all. Uh, this is, it's an automatic loss or anything like that. We're, we were coming up with some ideas for reasons to worry. And that's certainly a big one because of. Uh, what we saw out of Hockley and his crew the last time the Bills had him against Philadelphia. Um, looking at uh, just teams that are penalized overall, just taking Hockley out of it. The Bills average six penalties per game this season. Um, let me see what they were in 2022. 5.7. So just a bit up, uh, still pretty heavily penalized uh, a year ago. Kansas City, 5.6 per game. Uh, they ranked uh, like middle of the pack in the league. I mean, the, the Bills were bottom tier uh when it comes to penalties and you know up from 4.9 percent in 2022 for for kansas city and i think that's almost a full 
penalty more per game this season. So that's a more um, undisciplined crew in Kansas city. And, you know, I think part of that is like, you look at their offensive line and usually that's where I look first when I'm, when we're talking about penalties on the outside. I mean, Juwan Taylor, uh, Donovan Smith, definite downgrades for them there. And I, I think if you dig into their penalties, those two guys are probably near the top of the list when it comes to uh, committed penalties this season. Uh, so that's a big part of it too. It's like, which one of these teams is a going to take care of the football. And we'll talk more about that on, on Saturday, of course, but then which one's going to be more disciplined and at home, the advantage tips to the bills because of the home crowd on defense, Patrick Mahomes has never been in this environment before, you know, in the playoffs, of course he's played in the Super Bowl, So I don't want to overblow it too much, but like, that stadium is going to be absolutely unglued for three hours, screaming and some of the stuff that's going to be said. I mean, it's just going to be different. Uh, it's going to be a different setting uh, for that team. And how do they handle that? It's it's pretty huge. Yeah, different's a, a perfect way of putting it because you, you mentioned the Super Bowls when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, those are usually 50-50 splits or it's maybe a – 40-40 split with 20% of rich people who have no interest in the game itself. This is going to be 80 to 90% Bills fans, maybe even higher than that. Some Chiefs fans sprinkled in. The atmosphere is going to be completely different than what he's experienced in a playoff game before. So that certainly points to and, and favors the Bills. You have Jawan Taylor, uh, who I saw it in here. Yeah, has the most false starts in the league. With the crowd noise, it would not shock me if he drew a, f a few more in this game. And that could be one of the biggest factors in this matchup. Who doesn't shoot themselves in the foot uh, more is going to win this game. And the more you back yourself up, the more you commit penalties, the harder it is to move the chains, get points up on the board. And, you know, that home field advantage could certainly benefit the Bills on Sunday night. Uh, Pops Mafia asks, how is the weather for Sunday? Last I checked, it's it's looking like it's just going to be super frigid, like super cold temperatures. I don't think the wind's going to be an issue. I don't think there's going to be crazy precipitation either. Uh, have you heard anything? Let me look this up while we're talking. No, um, the last time I looked, it, it didn't look bad in terms of the, the forecast for the night of the game, even on Saturday leading up to the game. Uh, very minimal amount of snow over this weekend. You, you know, Like I said, Buffalo's getting hit. But they're getting hit right now, and I believe tomorrow as well for a few inches. Uh, but by the weekend, I think it's going to be cleared up and, and be a lot better. I don't think we have to worry necessarily about uh, anything with the, the snowfall, needing shovelers necessarily, or things like that, Matt. Um, daily summary for Sunday, uh, and this is the iPhone app. My wife yells at me all the time for using this one. She said it's never accurate. I don't know. I mean, are, are any of them? Sunday's low will be 10 degrees. Uh, between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m., the high will be 24 degrees between 2 and 3 p.m. So you you figure it's going to kind of shift down from there. So you're probably looking at temperatures in the teens. It's going to feel like below zero, uh, but zero percent of precipitation at this point, which to me, that's the only part of it I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big concern, right? So uh, I think that certainly uh, helps the bills. And you know, Kansas City is used to playing some cold weather, too, obviously, as we saw last week. But that could, you know, a few balls bounce off the hands of a wide receiver for either team. There could be some interception opportunities at Highmark Stadium on Sunday night. What bounces off what? Um, oh, boy. 
All right, we're going. This thing's going downhill fast, fast, Talbot. All right, uh, we put out the uh, the bat signal to all of mm. our phenomenal shout insiders to ask for their questions. And this next part of the podcast is dedicated to all of them. And you can become a shout insider right now uh, by texting seven one six five two eight six seven two seven. It's two week free trial. $3.99 a month after that. And the shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call, 716-852-1234, or check out LetroLaw.com. All right, what do you got for us, Ryan? First one. Let's yeah, go the first question. one that, that I have here is from our friend Mark, who uh, I believe I sent you a picture, too. Uh, yeah, let me see if I, I can pull that up while you're putting well, you, yeah. So question for the show tonight. How do you think our defense will do controlling Isaiah Pacheco and his angry runs? It's a great question. Uh, Pacheco looked really good against Miami. He is a dynamic back. He wasn't involved in the first game against the Bills. They they were rolling with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that matchup. Pacheco is a, a very talented back. I just don't think he will necessarily be the focal point. I don't think the Bills are going to be running a lot of 4-3 looks like they were against Pittsburgh or going, you know, they're going to go more dime against Patrick Mahomes, and they're going to try to limit the passing game. So I, I think there's going to be more opportunities for Pacheco. That doesn't mean the Bills can't stop him. I like what I saw from Ed Oliver last week. I like what I've seen from Daquan Jones in the D-tackle position. The Bills seem to be stout up front, but for, for them, it's going to be on the back end and stopping you know a very dynamic young wide receiver they have in Rice and limiting Travis Kelsey and, and trying to – you know hold Patrick Mahomes in check as a passer is probably going to be their first and major focal point, Matt. Look at our main man, Mark's got the, got the shout podcast on the big screen, hanging out with Billy Buffalo. Talk about uh, just a premier Wednesday night right there. That's some good stuff, man. Absolutely. You know, I, I think Sean McDermott was asked about Pacheco today and he said he's like a, this energizer for their offense and he tries to set the tone and I think one of the things the, the Bills did so well against the Steelers now different offenses wanting to do different things a little bit more predictable is, is Pittsburgh but they want to set the tone with their run game and the Bills did not allow them to do that defensively I thought Linval Joseph being up in that game playing as much as he did was very important I I'd run that back this week and you know if you can get Puna Ford active and Try to find a way to keep them a little bit more fresh on the interior. I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Although, you know, I looked at Ed Oliver's snap counts and I think he was somewhere around 70%. You know, he's going to be there, even if you have an extra guy. So it's probably not um, as vital to do that. But I think Pacheco could have an uh, an impact on this game if you let him. And he, if, if you don't tackle against Isaiah Pacheco, he is going to break tackles, and he is going to turn five-yard runs into 20-yard runs, and that's when you start to get yourself into a really bad spot when you're getting you know, freaked out about the fact that you're giving up these big runs and then you know they start running play action or just you know because you're trying to stop the run, now you leave yourself vulnerable, vulnerable to some of those explosive plays in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, couldn't be said better than that. If you, if you give up some big runs, that opens up the passing game for Mahomes via play action, so – the Bills just need to continue to do what they've been doing up front. They've been pretty stout there. They're doing a nice job with their front four. Uh, if they can do that for the most part and obviously score points on their side of the ball, they can maybe limit the opportunities or carries for Isaiah Pacheco. All right, let's go to the next question on the insider text line. We got Anthony Lavecchi. 
He says he's um, – oh, no, that was the one that we just did, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we just did Mark. So, but okay. I think he had one about Pacheco too. Yes, possibly. he did. Worried about uh, Pacheco in this matchup. He was out earlier when the Bills played the Chiefs. Adds a dynamic uh, with the linebacker depth, currently an issue for the Bills. So uh, we just covered that. Thank you for the question, Anthony. Um, Caitlin Perino, uh, who is a, a loyal Shout Insider subscriber, asks, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? Wow. There's so I I don't know if I can narrow it down to one Matt because when I was growing up it was definitely Rocky Four I loved Rocky Four versus Drago uh, Dude, all the that's why we're best friends man that's why we're you, best friends see the, Rocky the Four training, is the best Rocky yep getting the whole training sequence in uh, I'm a Notre Dame fan so I always loved Rudy uh, Miracle for hockey uh, the Sandlot for baseball. The program for football was another one of my favorites growing up. I have just so many. It's hard to narrow it down to one happy Gilmore. I can go on and on here with different sports and genres, but I'll stick with Rocky Four. That was definitely it for me growing up. I love that. Uh, I might even steal it um, if I could, but I won't. I'll try to come up with my own here. You know, I think for me, it's it's hard because there's so many that I love. Like I have like ones that I'm super emotionally passionate about when they come on, like you know, rookie of the year uh, is one that was just, it was playing over and over again, growing up mighty ducks, right? Like that was just such a big part of my childhood. Uh, but then as I got older, like some of the more like, you know, older classic sports movies, feel the dreams is one that the first time I watched that, I was kind of like in awe, like it was amazing since I met my wife. I'm not a huge hockey guy. I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, but she loves miracle and we watch that all the time. And now my kids watch it. And I got to say that has, risen up the ranks for me for sure but i think if we're talking about all encompassing sports movie for me i'm a baseball coach little league sandlot man there's nothing better than sandlot in the summer uh for me that's that's it some good ones in the comments here Slapshot, um coach carter. coach carter real good gridiron gang i don't know about that one but trace man i don't know about that one but he called me out about going to the PFF grades earlier in the show. So <laughs> very good. Yeah. A uh, ton of great sports movies. That's the best part of it all. So uh, next question, next Matt, question John McLeod. I know another Diggs question, but do you think that Stefan Diggs has actually been more useful in these games as of late? I would argue key catches key moments, and they still have the game still have to game plan him. Josh missed him a few times now in chunk plays where he is wide open, not his fault. Go ahead. So, you know, there was definitely a period there late in the season, middle to late in the season, where I feel like Stefan Diggs just, for whatever reason, they weren't on the same page. And he wasn't, you know, A, as involved. And when he was heavily involved, it almost felt like it was forced, right? Like they were trying to push the ball his way, um, you know, in spots where it didn't really, uh, wasn't advantageous for the offense. In the last three to four games, I feel like he's been the same version of the player without some of the big explosives. Um, I thought his catch on third down against the Steelers was one of the plays of the game. you know, And that's where Diggs is so good in that scramble drill when Josh Allen goes off script, when he's forced to go off script. Uh, making a play like that I thought was absolutely huge. And uh, I, I believe what Diggs said last, last week. I think that they're a play away from the them finally breaking through the dam that's held him under 100 yards in a game every single game since week six. 
Um, the problem this week, Ryan, is he'll be across the way from one of the most physically gifted, uh, mentally like challenging uh, corners in the league in Legarius Sneed. I mean, it's he's about as good as he as it gets. He absolutely, you know, took Tyreek Hill out of a game at times last week. Yeah, Sneed is the real deal. A lot of uh, teammates of his upset he didn't get the all pro vote, didn't get the recognition they thought he deserved. And he's been great this year. There's no denying that. Stefan Diggs the last two weeks though has been also has also been very good against the Dolphins. He he kind of led the way there in, in the receptions and uh, was a very just a good presence in those short passing yards. When Josh Allen got the ball out quickly, he was a favorite target. Didn't get the big plays, but did enough. And this game against Pittsburgh moved the chains, picked up six, seven yards at a clip to keep drives in second and third and short, or to again give the Bills a first down. So he's doing enough right now. Uh, if they continue to do that and just hit on one big play in a game or one intermediate. Uh, playing a game is a chance you'll see him go over that 100-yard mark, but Snead is a completely different beast. Um, the good thing for the Bills in this matchup is in years past when they couldn't get it to Diggs because of the way the Chiefs game plan, then they really struggled to get the ball to m- many other players, minus obviously the 13-second game where Gabe Davis was making play after play after play. There's been some opportunities, though, for other guys to step up, and it hasn't happened this year. You have Dalton Kincaid, you have Dawson Knox, uh, you obviously have Khalil Shakir, who had a, a phenomenal catch and, and run after the catch in, in the game against Pittsburgh. So there are other ways that the Bills can win, even if this isn't necessarily that breakout game we've been waiting for from Stefan Diggs. Uh, Andrew McMahon, uh, this will be the last one, asks, mm-hmm. everybody dwells on the offsides call from the last game against Kansas City when uh, Travis Kelsey had that unbelievable play, throwing it back across the field to Kadarius Tony that would have been a touchdown if not for lining up offsides, but what did Kansas city do well that the bills have to stop this time? And honestly, like one of the things that Josh Allen said today, I think really hits a, uh, an important note is that teams in this league change from week to week or from month to month, from section of the season to section of the season. And sometimes even like in this short period of time, from when the chiefs played the bills a couple weeks ago to right now. So I don't know that they're the same team. I don't think that they're the same offense. I think Rasheed Rice has um, elevated his level of play and he's somebody now going into this game that you have to account for Uh, on the show yesterday with uh, uh, the Casey star reporter, who was awesome. Jesse did a great job. He made sure to mention that I asked him to power rank the, the weapons on offense and he took Kelsey first rice was number two though. And now I think you can kind of even argue that it's Rice over Kelsey. He wasn't willing to make that argument. But, man, if Kelsey has another couple of drops in this game, you know, Rishi Rice has the game that he had last week. I mean, he's – Patrick Mahomes really relying on him. Yeah, Rice is the guy that I think the Bills have to really put a focal point on because he can hurt you after the catch. He catches those short passes in the middle and he gets around defenders and he makes great plays – for this Chiefs offense and it was 130 yards somewhere in that range against Miami it felt like last week uh was definitely a game changer game wrecker for this team so uh I think that Rice has to be a focal point for for being stopped if the Bills want to have success and then on the other side of the ball Josh Allen just do exactly what he did against Pittsburgh protect the football don't turn it over uh take the plays that are given to you move the ball methodically up and down the field if you have to do that 
strike when you when you can, like they did after the the turnover on the touchdown to Dalton Kincaid. Uh, but also realize that it's okay to, to move the ball methodically down the field and get into range to score. Obviously, you're looking for touchdowns based on what we already talked about with Tyler Bass and his struggles as of late, but points are points. The more they can put up, the better against this Kansas City team. Um, today, why don't you download the Tops Markets mobile app and make your shopping experience even better and easier. Check out all the amazing benefits you have at the palm of your hand. You get to select your preferred store, browse and shop the weekly ad, or buy a specific department. Easily locate products at your preferred store with the built-in aisle directory. Then enjoy contactless shopping with Topps Grocery Pickup or Delivery Services. For more information, head over to topsmarkets.com slash mobile app. All right, Ryan, that's it for today. We will be back with two more shows this week. Uh, we are locked and loaded. Tomorrow, we're going to have Michael F. Florio. Uh fantasy football expert but massive bills fans uh fan we caught up with him before the season we're gonna run it back get his thoughts on the season sean mcdermott who is very critical of last offseason get some of his takes on on how sean has done this year how things have gone as defensive coordinator then also you know what he made of tyler dunn's uh series uh a couple of weeks ago and how sean has responded and his team has responded since, since then i'm really excited for that conversation come out to wing nuts saturday night we cannot wait live in person. Hit my DMs if you have any questions. The event page is live over on Facebook, and it's in the description here. For Ryan, I'm Matt. See you tomorrow. Take care, everybody.